Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. Appreciate you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire, where you can call in and ask your Bible question, make a comment, even discuss with me if we differ on something regarding the Bible. The Bible is right. I could be wrong. You could be wrong. But God's word is right. Jesus said in John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So the word of God defines forth, defines for us what the truth is. Not what we want, not what we think is best, not what's good according to our own wisdom, not necessarily what's politically correct, not necessarily what will bring in the most people, not even necessarily what we think will cause the most people to be saved. <laughs> That's not necessarily the truth. Because people can be converted to the wrong thing. I mean, you can convert people, think you're converting people to Christ when you're not asking them to repent. And and after all, remember, Peter told believers in Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. So if you're not, if you're converting them according to your way of thinking, but not demanding that they repent, they're not really converted. So we have to go by the Bible in all cases. While we're waiting on our first call, I thought tonight we'd talk about the cost of discipleship. You probably heard that terminology before. A disciple, according to Random House College Dictionary, means a pupil of another, a follower. Now, we're talking about, in this case, not being a disciple of Gandhi, for example. We're talking about being a disciple of Christ. There's going to be a cost. Now, the way most churches teach it, the way most people, preachers, preach it on the radio, there's not really any cost to being a disciple. All of it is is just getting God's blessings, but no cost. Nothing for us to do. Nothing for us to sacrifice. Nothing could be further from the truth. I want us to start by reading Luke 14, 28. Here's what Jesus says there. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he hath sufficient to finish it? Verse before that, he said, Whosoever did not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So when you're considering being a disciple, it's compared to, I'm going to build a tower, but do I have enough to finish the tower? Not too far from me. There was this house being built. It's about five hours west, five miles west of me. And the house got about halfway done and they didn't get it completed. If you're thinking about building a house, for, it's going to cost $100,000, but you only got 50000 and you build it halfway done and you run out of money, then you just wasted, you just thrown $50,000 down the toilet because you don't have enough to finish it. And that house about five miles west of me is like that. It's just sitting there in an unfinished state. Evidently, somebody ran out of money. And that's the point here is that instead of building a house, it's talking about building a tower, but you ought to sit down first, count the cost, whether you have sufficient to finish it. That's what being disciple is. Don't become a disciple of Christ without knowing the cost and without committing yourself to being willing to sacrifice for Christ, to pay the cost. Being a disciple of Christ, you know, might cost us monetarily, financially. It might cost us some pleasures. It will cost us sinful pleasures. This is what surprises people. Being a disciple of Christ might cost us our current religion or church. Being a disciple of Christ might even cost us with family. Let's talk about that first point, how that being a disciple of Christ might cost us monetarily or financially. You remember the story of the rich young ruler, I think, in Matthew 19, 16 through 22. What do I do to, to be saved? Keep the commandments? I've been keeping the commandments. And no doubt he had. 
But Jesus understood what was lacking in this man. Jesus said to him in Matthew 19, 21, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Evidently, Jesus knew that even though he had been keeping the commandments, and the Old Testament law was still binding at that time, so we're talking about the Old Testament commandments, he knew that he had a problem with possessions. And so he challenged him, sell what you have, give to the poor and come and follow me. Verse 22 says, but when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. He wasn't willing to make the sacrifice financially to be a disciple of Christ. And sometimes being a disciple of Christ might cost us monetarily. For example, if you're going to be a disciple of Christ, you have to be honest in all things. I'm reading in Luke 19 here, verses 2 and 8, about Zacchaeus. It says, Behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, the Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. You can't be dishonest in your financial dealings if you're going to be a disciple of Christ. If you steal from somebody and you repent, you'll give the money back. That may cost you financially the fact that you're going to have to be honest. It might. If you're used to making money by being dishonest, if you're going to be a disciple of Christ, you're going to have to be honest. You won't make money by being dishonest anymore. If you're thinking about becoming a disciple of Christ, you need to count the cost. You cannot make money by being dishonest anymore. Proverbs 11, verse 1, back in the Old Testament says, Dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. You know, a grocery store owner could manipulate the scales. You put your fruit or your vegetables on the scales, you weigh them, and that determines how much you're going to pay for how much fruit or vegetables that you got. What if he rigs the scale so that even though it's only a half a pound worth of fruit, it weighs as a pound, so you pay for a pound even though you're getting a half a pound. So the grocery store owner, in that case, could be dishonest and make some money illegitimately. But if he's going to be a disciple of Christ, he can't do that. And so then that might cost him financially because he can't make money dishonestly if he's going to be a disciple of Christ. If you have a Bible question or comment, the lines are wide open. Give us a call at 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755 if you have a Bible question or a comment. Let me give you some illustrations here, a couple of illustrations of how being a disciple of Christ might cost us financially. Let me read 1 Timothy 2, 9 and 10 to make this first point. 1 Timothy 2, 9 and 10 reads this way. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. A woman... And a man, too, for that matter. But a woman needs to dress modestly. When women go to the beach, young ladies, they don't dress modestly. They dress in bikinis. It's designed to get men to look and to lust, which will mean, mean those men are violating the scriptures. Matthew 5, 28, lusting after a woman that's not their wife. They're seeing the nakedness of a woman. A woman shouldn't dress like that. She should dress modestly. Suppose... And that's according to 1 Timothy 2, 9 and 10. Suppose you have this gorgeous young lady and well-built, meaning she's a great candidate to become have a lucrative modeling career because she's so attractive. 
so well proportioned. But she might have to forego a lucrative modeling career because she won't dress immodestly. Because she's going to be a disciple of Christ and a disciple of Christ won't dress in a bikini like that. Won't dress in a bathing suit. Won't dress immodestly. Won't dress with real tight fitting clothes. Won't be dressed so that uh, with a a skirt that goes almost all the way up or a, uh, a, a shirt that goes almost all the way down. She's not going to dress immodestly. And because of that, she may have to give up a lucrative modeling career. So instead of making, let's just say, a million dollars a year, she may have to take a regular job at, say, $70,000 a year because she's going to be a disciple of Christ. She could, if she weren't a disciple of Christ, she could make a lot of money because she's so beautiful as a model, but she won't dress immodestly, so she doesn't take that job. You see, being a disciple of Christ might cost her monetarily. Might do that. Could be even for a man that way. How about a guy who's a great football player? He's a star in college football, but he might forego the millions that he can make in the NFL because he's not willing to skip church services to play NFL football. You know, they play on Sundays, every Sunday during the season, and they prepare in meetings before the games, and he's not willing to miss church for the football games. So he's a great football player, but he's not going to play NFL football and make millions of money dollars per year because he's not willing to miss the services of the church. He's going to be where he's supposed to be on Sundays. Hebrews 10, 25 uh, mentions that. It says, let's start in verse 24. It says, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and the good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. So this, of course, when I was growing up as a boy, I wanted to be an NFL football player. And if I wasn't good enough for that, I wanted to be a major league baseball player. And if I wasn't good enough for that, I wanted to be an NBA basketball player. So I was into sports myself. Suppose a young man is, I wasn't near good enough to even come close, but suppose a young man is good enough to be an NFL football player, but he's going to choose not to do it to make all that money because he's not going to miss church. This is a command in Hebrews 10, 25, not just a recommendation. In our vernacular, it would be a command, don't miss church. Don't skip church. We got to put God first, even before financial opportunities. Jesus in talking about the necessities of life, food, clothing, shelter, things like that. In Matthew 6, 33, he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, talking about the necessities of life, shall be added unto you. So we have to put God first, even before our jobs, even before money. Even before providing for our family, God tells us to provide for our family, but we can't let that get in the way of serving the Lord. So going to church, for example, we come first before. We got to put God first before family, job, financial considerations, recreation. You got to put God first. Discipleship can cost you monetarily. Are you willing to pay that? cost. That's the point we were reading about in Luke 14, 28. If you're going to build a tower, make sure that you got enough to finish it or you're just wasting your money. If you're going to think about becoming a disciple of Christ, make sure you're willing to pay the cost. Being a disciple of Christ does have a cost financially and otherwise. You make sure that you're willing to pay that cost 
before you get it, get yourself into that. No reason to sign up to be a disciple of Christ unless you're willing to make the sacrifices necessary to being a disciple of Christ. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. The number to call again, the lines are wide open, is 877-655-6755. Being a disciple of Christ might cost us pleasure. Not all pleasures are sinful. Uh, but some pleasures are sinful and it will definitely cost you those pleasures. Being a disciple of Christ will cost you the sinful pleasures. I'm reading about Moses in Hebrews 11, 24 through 26. It says, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Here's Moses. He's brought up as the adopted grandson of the king of Egypt, the Pharaoh's grandson. When he gets to be a young man, he can have all the wine, women, and song that he wants. But he chooses to serve the Lord. He chooses to suffer affliction with the people of God rather to, en rather to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Now, don't let any preacher tell you that sin's not pleasurable. If it wasn't pleasurable, at least some of them, there wouldn't be any temptation. Sin can be pleasurable, but Moses chose to forego the pleasures of sin because he wanted to serve the Lord. And it tells us why. It says, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. And it's the same reason we want to serve the Lord. One of the reasons we want to serve the Lord is because we want the reward that's of heaven. We want to be saved and go to heaven. And so we give up things so in this life so that we can enjoy heaven, paradise forever in eternity. And Moses, I think that's saying the same thing. He was willing to give up the pleasures of sin for a season. I mean, Sin is pleasurable, but only for a season because he had respect to the recompense of the reward. I think the eternal reward is what it's talking about. You know, being a disciple of Christ might cost us pleasures. You know, I like to go to an Alabama football game, but I'm not going to miss church to do that. That's an innocent pleasure, not necessarily wrong, but I'm not going to put it before God. But definitely being a disciple of Christ is going to cost us sinful pleasures. Like, for example, in Galatians 5.19, we have a list of sins. Verse 19 lists the four sexual sins there, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. It goes on to say in verse 21 that those which commit such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. If you get involved in these sins, these what most people think of as pleasurable sexual sins, if you're not willing to repent and quit, you can't go to heaven. And don't say, well, I'm a Christian. I can't fall. Now, this is written to Christians. So even if a Christian goes off into adultery, he's not going to inherit the kingdom of God. He's going to be lost. This idea of once saved, always saved is taught false, to be false at every juncture in the New Testament, in the whole Bible, I should say. So, for example, a handsome young man who is used to getting, and I mean sexually, just about any girl he wants, he's going to have to give that up if he's going to be a disciple of Christ. He's going to have to give that up. He He's going to have to reserve, reserve himself, uh, save himself for marriage. 
He may be used to getting girls sexually, but he's giving that up if he's going to be a disciple of Christ because he knows adulterers and fornicators will not inherit the kingdom of God. He can't be involved in those sins and go to heaven. If you do get involved, you have to repent and quit to receive forgiveness. Being a disciple of Christ will cost us sinful pleasures, and you need to know that. Before going in, before signing up to be a disciple of Christ, we might say, you need to know you're going to have to give up these sinful pleasures. And if you are a disciple, you need to know that you have to abstain from these sinful pleasures. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. The number to call is 877-655-6755. Here's the one that surprises some people. Being a disciple of Christ might cost us our current religion or church. And people say, how could that be true? I thought I was supposed to go to church. Yeah, but if the church you're worshiping with is not following the truth, then it's not doing you any good. You're going to have to give up your current religion or church to be a disciple of Christ, to be a follower of Christ, because a follower of Christ is going to follow Christ's teaching. And if you're part of a church that's not following Christ's teaching, you're going to need to get out of that current religion or church to be a disciple of Christ. Here's John 8, 31 and 32. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Talking about being made free from sin. You're only a true disciple if you continue in Jesus's word. Have all these different people preaching different things, different churches standing for different things. They can't all be right. Two plus two can't equal four and five at the same time. Unless you're continuing in Jesus's word, unless you're following truth that Jesus teaches, then you're wasting your time with religion. You're wasting your time. So you need to quit serving false doctrine and start serving God and his truth. If studying God's word, you find out that it's going to demand a change in your belief and practice, you need to make that change because only the truth will set you free from sin. Being a disciple of Christ might cost you your current religion or church. It was that way with Paul. Let me read about Paul. And to begin with, I'm going to read Acts 26, verse 5. Are you familiar with Saul of Tarsus and his conversion story? Acts 26, verse 5, he says, and I think Paul's talking here, he says, which knew me from the beginning if they would testify that after the after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. Paul was very religious. He was he was part of the, the strictest sect of the Jewish religion, a Pharisee. In Acts twenty three one, during this time that he was a Pharisee, he, he he teaches that he was doing what he thought was right. He says, and Paul earnestly beholding. The council said, men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. So here's Paul. He's persecuting Christians. And he's he's a zealous Jew. But he's not he never obeyed the gospel. He's going to need to obey the gospel in order to be a true disciple of Christ. Dwayne from Atlanta, Georgia. Go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hey, good evening, sir. Hey, just first off, I'm a huge fan of your programming. I'm a native of the great state of Alabama, and I just have a general question. Do you actually have an on-site congregation where you have Sunday services in the Alabama area, like in northern Alabama area? Because I do be in that region from time to time, especially when you just yeah. shared information regarding about 519 in Galatians, how you have to let those things go. 
And I was praying this morning about that. Some things you got to just put to rest if you really want to make it to heaven someday. <laughs> Dwayne, yes, I worship with a congregation outside of Huntsville, Alabama. Okay. Yes, and I be in that re- I be in Madison County area a lot. That's why I was wondering. Yeah. So, and uh, I tell you what, can I call you after the program and we can try to hook up? Great. Great. Yeah. Sounds great. That way, I'll, I'll, I'll you can listen for my number at the end of the program. I'll ca- try to call you, and uh, okay, and. Uh, if you don't hear from me, you you call me at the number I give at the end of the program, and we'll hook up and see if we can't get together, maybe even go together for lunch or something, okay, Dwayne? Sounds great. Sounds whenever great. you're in Madison work. County, and sometimes I'm over in over in Atlanta, okay? Perfect. That's perfect. Yes, sir. Thanks for your call, Dwayne. Thanks. See you later. Laura from California, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Um, I have a job that I'm required to work weekends. Um, I live in a very rural town, and we do, I do attend a, a church that I try to go on Wednesdays. And I'm just listening and thinking, am I going to be precluded from going to heaven because I don't go to church on a regular basis? Yeah, we read Hebrews 10.25. It said, not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Okay, that means in our vernacular, that means don't miss church. In Matthew six thirty three, we read that it says, "Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things, referring to the necessities of life, will be added to you." So, you put God first; God will make sure that you get the necessities of life. So, I would never take a job that's going to cause me to miss church. Okay, because okay. I'm going to put God well, first. Yeah, I took the job. It's a family business so that my sister and brother and kids can go to church on Sundays and be together. So I guess I'm going to have to make some changes. Laura, thank you for your call. Thank you. Now, we saw from Saul of Tarsus, he's a religious person. He's conscientious. But here's what Ananias tells him in Acts 22:16. Three days after Saul believes in Christ, he says, Ananias tells him, well, why tarry, now why tarryest thou? Rise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So Paul was a very religious person, but he had to give up his current religion or church to be a disciple of Christ. Bart from Florida, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hey, Bart, you're on the air. Hello? Hey, go ahead, Bart, you're on the air. Hey, man, I hate that. How's it going? I'm just yeah, yeah. in between jobs tonight, and uh, I'm, I'm listening to your talk, and immediately what I think of is Matthew 6, 22. Uh, I'm like going to Matthew, but uh, that's Jesus' talk. Matthew 6, 22? 6, 24. All right, I'm turning there, and I'm going to read that. Matthew 6, 24. Jesus said, I, I love this passage, Bart. I appreciate your call. No mm-hmm. man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And mammon here is the King James Version word for money. You cannot serve God and money. It's impossible to have two masters, because sooner or later you'll have to make a choice between money or anything else. How about, uh, or, or God? Bart, how about, You'd have to choose between God or Ohio State football or God and Alabama football, right, Bart? Uh, <laughs> I just there's no question. You, you really have to be willing to give up everything for God. 
because hey, you've got to put God before family, don't you, Bart? Yeah, you're talking about Matthew 10, 34, 39. Uh, you might so want to turn that out there. Cause... Well, Bart, I'm going to have to go off the air. I love that verse you brought up, Matthew six twenty four. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't serve God anything else. You've got to put God nope. before anything. Even before money, that means even before your job. So we are to work to living, up your cross? but we got to put what God you, first. Go ahead, Bart. What do you mean? What do you think uh, Jesus meant when he said, pick up your cross, pick up your burden? Bart, I'm going to have to let you go. That's a good point. Take up your cross and follow me. The cross represented sacrifice for Christ. So if we're going to take up Jesus' cross, Matthew 16, 24 through 26, that means we're going to have to make sacrifices for Christ. If you would like to have a free one-hour phone Bible study with me sometime at your convenience, call or text me at 256-682-9753.